Join me every month for the inspiration to find your finish line. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Find Your Finish Line, presented by Curad, Performance Series, the official medical supplier of Ironman. I'm Mike Riley, and as you know, in the past, this podcast and now is about you finding your finish line not only at a race or an event, but in life. You've got to find that one first before we can get to the other ones, it seems. As you've been tuning in over the last month or so, you've kind of seen what the gist is of this podcast. It's a little different today. We're going to have a guest on, and I'm going to give him props right away because the idea of doing this was his, to go and kind of go over a previous podcast that we've had. Our guest is none other than Mark Allen, six-time Ironman world champion, renowned global Ironman and triathlon coach, and all-around good guy. Hello, Mark. How are you? Hey, Mike. Great to see you. So great to be on the podcast. Well, thank you very much for this and, and joining us and having the time to do it. Uh, I appreciate it, and we all do. So what the idea Mark had is, and I'll let him go and do it in some detail, is after listening to Lionel Sanders' podcast a few weeks ago, uh, I even said, you know, Lionel threw out some gems. He threw out some, some issues about how he trains, about his past, but they were snippets of things that I think we can do better in life and in racing. And I, Mark kind of got the same thing out of it, didn't you? Yeah, you know, I was listening to the podcast and normally I listen to a podcast and it's like, oh, that was great. But this one I go, I have to go back and mark those magical quotes that Lionel had that really apply to life to finding your journey in a way that often is not easy. How do you how do you pivot in the middle of something when either it's working or not working? And there was just an honesty and an openness and a depth to what he talked about that I thought this would be so great to get back on find your finish line and highlight it for other athletes out there because they're all on a journey. We're all on a journey to to find that finish line, like you said in races, in life, and there's so much of what Lionel said that I think applies to, to both of those journeys. Well, I, as you know, you're, you're, you're a good buddy. I tell you, I, I love being around you, but I respect you so much for this because uh, you're an athlete of the past that has done some amazing things, and living off your laurels isn't something you do. I think it's very refreshing that someone like yourself pick this up, took a look at it and go, gosh, look at this guy and look at the things that he can teach us because mm. we, can never, we can never stop learning, that's for sure. Uh, so I respect that uh, tremendously and thank you very much for that. So Mark, let's do this. We're going to go into the uh, little snippets of Lionel, some of the things, there's like six or seven of them and you and I are going to go back and forth because I'd really like to hear your take on some of these because as I've told people before, it's one of the most remarkable interviews I've ever been involved with. I didn't know it was going to happen this way or progress it, that it did. So why don't we jump into the first one and we'll see where that takes us. Great. We had a turnaround and then we had to go back uphill yeah. and I was like, okay, that must have been a surge or something because then I got back in, I actually started to put a gap into them. But then I started to notice on all these downhills, the, 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 the speed with which this guy could take the downs was absolutely amazing. And I think maybe a little piece of me with hindsight, because I, I had been dealing with this for the last year or so, a little bit of tendonitis in my knee. I think a little piece of me was, was, was being very cautious 
So then I basically said, I mean, if you want to win this thing, you can't have any caution whatsoever. So once I got that through my head and I really lengthened out my, my stride and just let my, let gravity do the work, then at least I was able to catch or, or, or hang on with him. But it truly took me out of my, my comfort zone, like in every facet of the comfort zone. And uh, yeah, I felt like I was sprinting. Fortunately, hearing him, you know, do a post-race analysis after he, he was sprinting. So (laughs) I don't feel so, I don't feel so bad about it. Um, and yeah, it was just, it just panned out the way, the way it panned out. We went through an aid station with, I don't know, half a mile to go. And I was like, obviously I'm not going to take a drink. Like what's the point in taking a drink? And he took a drink and a little gap opened up and it wasn't because I did anything. It was just because he, you know, slowed down ever so slightly to take a drink. And then, uh, like I felt that gap open, I didn't do anything. And then when he didn't close the gap, then I was like, well, maybe this is the moment. And so then I put a little pressure on and the gap opened a little more. And then I, I truly did lay down the all out. I had nothing left and I just went as, as hard as I possibly could. And, uh, I rested for like ever so slightly through this roundabout with about, I don't know, 300 right. meters to go. And I kind of looked out of the corner of my eye that he was, he was at the beginning of the roundabout. I was at the end. And I was like, he could close this. This guy is so good at running downhill that he could close this. So I just, I had to just keep going as, as hard as I possibly could. And fortunately, the finish line wasn't too far away because if it was, I was probably going to collapse before the finish line. But fortunately, we made it to it. Mark, it's interesting how much, and you've done this before, the mental strategy one has to go through when they're going one-on-one against somebody. What are you, what are you pulling out of that little bit right there? You know, there were two really key things that, that came out of that that just were like light beams for me. One was how he was nervous about his previous injury, something that was holding him back. And I think a lot of times we don't, it's hard to get beyond those because we don't want them to happen again. But at the same time, to reach that peak level of finding your finish line, having that ultimate experience, we have to just say, hey, here I go, let me just see what happens. And once he did that, then the dynamic started to change. And then the second piece is that, you know, a lot of athletes I think go into events and they say, okay, this is how I'm going to place or, or earn that slot or better my time. And more often than not, <laughs> races don't pan out the way we hope. And so when Lionel went through that aid station and he didn't grab for that last yeah. glass of nutrition, which, you know, personally, I was having a flashback but then in 1989 <laughs> when Dave and I went to that aid station and he grabbed and I decided not to at the last second. And that was where a gap opened up and I went on to win the first Ironman. But um, it just shows that you, you have to figure out how you're going to have your best race on the day, in the moment, and you don't know which moment is going to be the final key to unlock that amazing ending finishing moment. Lionel didn't know what it was going to be until that last aid station. And it wasn't really a plan, but all of a sudden he realized, this is it. And it's funny because he said, you know, I was sprinting and I was going as hard as I could go. But then when when that moment happened, all of a sudden he goes, I upped the pressure. And so when you realize this is the moment, all of a sudden there's a whole other level that you can go to that you're sort of holding back against because 
you're just not sure if that's the right moment. He knew it was. That was yeah. the chance. And he, he upped it from actually sprinting already to mm -hmm. even a higher level. And then he went on for that win, that victory. Amazing. Amazing lessons. Exactly. And in that last portion, he also did something else that I caught from that. He jumped outside of his comfort zone, which is the hardest thing for any of us to do. We love that. Even when you train and if you go out and train hard and you had a big ride and a big run, you know what it's like. But you got to go beyond that sometimes in a race. So he made that decision. I'm going to have to get out of my comfort zone. Uh, some easier said than done, though, isn't it? <laughs> Absolutely. And sometimes you, you think you are already outside of your comfort zone. I mean, for sure, when he and Sam were closing those final kilometers, they both felt like they were at the limit. But then you realize, wait a minute, there is another level that I can go to. And now's the moment to do it. You don't want to waste it. You don't want to go to that, that very, very extreme of what you're capable of too early because then you blow up. Right. So that's right. finding how to get there on the day in the moment of the race. And as you know from watching the podcast, I went into Lionel's past. Uh, and, and the reason I wanted to do that is because obviously there's a lot of pe people out there struggling with what Lionel struggled with. Addiction is a very, very tough thing to deal with. And you need help doing that. So let's listen to this little snippet about his addiction and uh, how he saw himself pulling himself out of it, which, which he did. Oh, I mean, well, that's a long story. You're going into the, the depths of my, uh, <laughs> of my mind. Um, I mean, that whole thing started off very innocently. You know, I was just a kid partying really. And I didn't, I didn't think anything of it. And I went down that pathway and, uh, at some point, and I don't know when that happened, it switched from just, you know, having fun and partying with your friends to, to a negative aspect, to a negative thing. Like I was starting to like, uh, you know, like kind of drain, my sorrows in, in a way, I, I started to feel, um, insecure with myself. And I just went further and further down that pathway into that, into that lifestyle. And, uh, really I was just like medicating at some point I was just medicating myself and I was the only highs I was getting in life were, were highs from, from substances. And I mean that when you're, when you're there, that that's not good. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I went down that pathway for several years and that's where I ended up. And, um, you know, fortunately, I had remembered experiences that were positive that didn't come from substances. And it just so happened that running was one of those things um, that I had fond memories, something that I was competent, at, you know, as a youngster, I was competent at running and, and I did track meets and cross country and I had, you know, small success and, yeah. uh, you know, made me feel good about myself. And so I, I think that's why when I was kind of, you know, down in the dumps and, and having no direction, I think that's why the natural thing that popped into my head was to go for a run. And I did that on November 5th, 2009. And, and I, and I went and it was night, you know, I was like severely social phobic and didn't go mm -hmm. outside during the day. And I went for a run at like midnight through a graveyard. And, uh, it was just, uh, you know, it was like a transformative experience and, you know, it, things don't happen overnight, of course. Um, I still, I still was living in, in this, these environments. I still had a lot of in negative influences around me, but that was definitely the beginning of the change. Um, and basically a month went by and I ran, you know, pretty well every single day for a month. I don't know why, but I logged all this stuff strangely. <laughs> and I, I still have that old log Wow. and I, you know, I was running like five kilometers a day for, for approximately a month. And, and I still, you know, 
I was definitely getting better, but I still felt like I needed more. And then that's how Iron Man came into my life. And I just, I had this weird idea to do an Iron Man just popped into my head and Googled what it was. And, and then, you know, fortunately my mom gave me the credit card. I told her I have this crazy idea. I want to devote myself to doing an Ironman triathlon. And, uh, and you know, she said, do you really, you really think you can do something like that? And, and I was like, I know it doesn't seem that way right now that I could do that, but I think if I devote myself to it, I, I will be able to do it. And I think it is going to, it's going to take me where I want my life to go. That refreshing a part of, but for for me, Mark, on that was his openness and honesty, and I'm glad it came out because I think it's going to help a lot of people. But isn't it? And I've I've seen a lot of stories, and so have you. Isn't it just remarkable how when the decision is made, and this is not the cure all, but the decision is made to take that negative and move it into a physical positive, like going for a little jog or going for a run. Obviously, Iron Man was at the end of his road, and it has been a lot of people. But what do you think that is that that Lionel said that why it clicked for him to just go out for that run and try to go into a positive direction? Well, exactly that. He had that memory of running when he was younger. It gave him a positive feeling, and he knew that where he was at was not working. And it can be so hard to get out of those addictive cycles, whether it's drugs or relationships or just maybe a negative way you perceive yourself. And so it's like, okay, maybe if I move my body, which is such a simple but powerful action that any human being can take, that'll help me to feel a little bit better. When I'm out there walking or running or swimming or cycling or just moving my body, I feel a little bit better. And it gives me a break from all the stuff that's dragging me down. And, and it was really interesting because he, he recognized right away, even if the, after that first month, that it wasn't cured. It's going to take some time. But he knew that those positive feelings each and every day of exercising, of he- eventually having that great goal to, to do an Ironman, something that, like his mom's like, can, do you really think you can do that? You know? And like he said, I don't know, but it's going to take me in a direction that I want to go in. And so hopefully we can all use sport for something positive and um, have it be something that each and every day it gives us a great feeling about our life. We're doing something positive for our health. It's helping reduce stress. We all saw that during COVID that just getting out and moving is a really amazing thing that we can do. And now back to racing. Uh, if we can keep that innocence, which I think Lionel had in the beginning. You know, he had that innocence of, I don't know if I can do this, but I'm going to try anyway. Yeah, it's, uh, I've, I've heard so many stories, and one that just popped into my head. It was a few years ago, and a young woman called me up, and I was talking to her, and she said she got back into running. But the first few months that she did it, she would carry her alcohol flask with her. Hmm. It was her crutch. And she'd take a drink of that and a drink of water, like 50-50, and she didn't feel so bad. And finally, one run, she didn't carry that flask anymore and started going to AA, and, but, and she's done an Ironman. It, it just, it's transformative in a way that I don't think they realize when it happens, but they do realize that the very first step they take, like something different's happening 
in my mind and my body. So uh, our biggest advice, and we're not doctors or psychologists, but that first step is the hardest mm. one to take. But once you do, it takes you to a lot of great places. Absolutely. So I, I asked Lionel, what drives them? What, you, you know what those drivers are inside of you. You know what drivers are inside of some of the athletes you coach. Uh, we know some of the drivers of other professional athletes, male and female. So when I asked you know, Lionel what that driver was, it was pretty interesting what he talked about. I mean, that has changed over the years. In the beginning, in, in November 5th, 2009, what woke me up was, I want to get out of this place as fast as I can. I want to go in the opposite direction of where I am right now as fast as I can. And that was my driver for, for a long time, actually. I would say probably three years. And there's books written on it, like, you know, positive addiction. I, I basically replaced a negative addiction with a positive addiction. <clears throat> but over time, I started to realize, you know what I mean, I don't necessarily want to be addicted to this thing because what happens if I lose this? What happens if I'm unable to do this? Am I going to go back to that negative addiction? And so, so then I started to have to, you know, do introspection and find out, you know, how do I do this in such a way that if I am unable to do this anymore, that I won't go back and I've made good, you know, mental changes and physical changes in my life that will, that will keep me on a good path forever. Yeah. The, the, things that prompt someone to change their ways and, and drive them. Lionel had many of them, and people have many of them just like Lionel, don't they, Mark? Yeah, and I think one of the keys in that for me was that sport or peak performance can kind of become like an addiction, or a, it can be a negative in that if you don't quite get there, it drives you crazy. And we've probably mm -hmm. seen a lot of athletes, me included, on, on the bad days, just <laughs> like, you know, and you want to get back and you want to go harder and then you're exhausted. And then finally you reach a point where you're, you've done it so wrong that you go, okay, wait a minute, let me get back to basics here. Let me just get in, back into the enjoyment, the fulfillment, and um, just see where it takes me. And, but I, I really like that honesty and that awareness that he had that he knew that this could just be a replacement addiction for yeah. drugs. And he's like, no, I'm not going to go there. I'm going to continue to perfect myself as an athlete, but also to ch change those patterns within myself that allow me, that would weaken and enable me to, would force me back to being an addict again if maybe I'm injured and I can't do this or I lose my sponsors or whatever it is. And so it was a, a real message, I think, for everyone to, in a very nutshell word, keep things balanced with their sports and their, and their goals and their dreams. Yeah, it becomes an issue where you don't want to relapse in any way, shape, or form. And I talk to a lot of people with addictive behaviors, and that is a huge fear. Even if they've been sober for nine years or whatever, you know, there's that thing in the back of their mind, I don't, I don't want to go back to that world, but I, I hope I don't. I have to keep doing the things and the routines and the, uh, and the working out and the, you know, the therapy to stay away from that. And Lionel realized that, and a lot of people do, and, and, uh, because relapse is probably a, a very scary thing if people going back into a world that they don't want to go into. Especially after you've built um, momentum. You know, you've had a certain period where you are free of your addiction and then in a weak moment, maybe you get sucked back into it. You don't want that to happen because yeah. then, then it 
is even harder that second time and the third time to try and um, rebuild the momentum in the positive direction. But he just he latched onto the sport, but then again at the same time continued to work on himself. And that's you know a great message for all of us. We are all transformed through this sport. At the same time, you know, when we go home and we put our race gear away, you know, we still have to do laundry and put the dishes in the dishwasher and go to work and go to the store and do all those things. And so um, this is, sport is part of transforming us, but we also have to do that sort of personal work to keep evolving as, as people to create that great vision for our lives. Like you said, finding the finish line in all aspects. Hold on, everyone. We'll be right back after a message from our sponsors. Even after 40 years on the microphone at thousands of events welcoming hundreds of thousands of athletes to the finish lines, I am still in awe by the incredible endurance of each and every athlete and what you display. The physical exertion, the sweat, and the challenges you put your body through deserve a level of support that match your dedication. As the official medical supplier for the Ironman US Series, Curiad Performance Series lineups of wraps, tapes, bandages, supports, and braces give you, the serious athlete, and weekend warriors alike, the optimal support needed to keep moving, including new far infrared kinesiology tape technology, which reduces energy made through body heat, back to targeted areas to help you heal faster and enhance performance. So don't you let sprains and muscle pain hold you back. Recover smarter and shop the entire Curad Performance Series on Amazon. Lionel talking about purpose and throughout your career and being able to see you, you know, from the 80s on and, and watch you perform and, and the type of work ethic that you had. But purposes always sometimes, well, not always, they change a lot of times. But you've got to have a purpose that is big and bold in your life, don't you? Absolutely. It's the big things that sort of scare you a little bit, like, geez, yeah. I don't know if I can do that. Or I, I don't know if I can hang on long enough to do that. Those are the ones that really take you to a whole new level within yourself. And when you do get to that point of you make it to the finish line, you, you, you achieve a, a goal that you're after like that, there's such a deep uh, personal satisfaction and empowerment that comes from it. You know, the easy goals, they're easy to hit, they're not as fulfilling, and a lot of times we give up on them because it's like, oh, well, you know, I could have done that. Yeah. But, you know, when you go for the big ones, those are the ones that really draw you forward in your life. Well, let's listen to Lionel's a bit on his purpose. Um, that's probably actually what created the next series of, of, of motivators. And, um, you know, for me, it happened actually, interestingly, in St. George in 2014. It was my second, my third pro race. It was also the, the, the uh, North American Championship. You had Jan Ferdino, uh, Brent McMahon, Tim Don. Uh, I mean, you had all the best guys then, all in their prime, too. And I went to it thinking, you know, I'm going to contend with these guys. And I, I couldn't have been any further from the truth. I got 18th place, 10 minutes off the pace. I got beaten <laughs> in all three disciplines. It, it seemed like there was no way that I could ever contend with these guys. And I had that experience. It, came, it called into question, what am I doing this for? Because I felt like a complete bag of garbage, to be honest with you, after the race. 
And I went for a run out in the beautiful Red Rocks in, in St. George with my mom. And I basically said, like, has triathlon really become this for you? Like, you feel bad about yourself right now. Like, you, it's, just, it's actually become negative in a sense. And I said, you need to fix this right here and right now. And so literally out there running with my mom, I came to this conclusion and I fixed it right then and there. And I said, from now on, you only do this to do your best. And on the day, you all, the only thing I ever want from you ever again, no expectations whatsoever other than to give me your best on the day. And I don't care what that, it has nothing to do with your place. It has to do with, even if you screw your nutrition up, get a flat tire, go down the list, I still want you to do your best and finish to the best of your ability with the cards that you're dealt on the day. But that I'd say what is, is what is motivating me now is to just do my absolute best, not in like a corny sense or something, just like right. truly give this sport, if you're gonna do it, devote yourself to it and do your absolute best and see where you can go. And if I can win Kona, then great. And if I can't win Kona, but you did your very best, then I'm fine with that too, no problem. He went out for a run with his mom, Mark, and he found his purpose. It, it was like a, a light went off, and uh, that happens to a lot of people. But when he found that purpose, he was able now to say to himself, if I don't get first, but I gave it 100%, it, that's hard to do, isn't it? It's, it's hard to do, but what he did was so empowering. You know, it's very, it's easy to have your purpose, your purpose be to beat somebody or, or hit a particular time or complete a certain race. It's much, um, it's much harder, but much deeper if your purpose is to actually really give the best that you have. And what I love about Lionel's comment on that is that he thought he was going to contend with those guys <laughs> and he, he got 18th and he was like, what am I doing? You know, most guys would try to cover up that, that vulnerability that they didn't have what their vision was. And they'd say, oh, well, I had a bad, you know, something, my brakes were rubbing and, you know, I lost my nutrition and it was, uh, this guy stumbled in front of me and I had to slow down. You know, he didn't make one excuse. He knew that it wasn't about um, anything that happened in the race going forward was about redirecting his his mindset, his focus, his, his, his purpose. And yes, that is the hardest thing to um, go into something saying, look, this is about me giving the absolute best that I have. And, and I've heard him talk about no limits. And somebody sort of called him on the carpet on that uh, recently. And they were saying, well, you have limits. You know, you, you didn't win this race or you fell apart in that one. And, and he said, no, no limits is having every cell in my body screaming to quit, but I keep going. And that was hitting that purpose of giving the best that he had with the cards that are dealt on the day. Yeah, and I, I, you know, I, referring to Ironman Coeur d'Alene, which uh, Lionel had a very difficult day and uh, had gastrointestinal problems and he was throwing up out there, but... You know, he, he finished, and this, uh, you know, he didn't know that the, the podcast was before the Ironman Coeur d'Alene, mm. but when he said, whatever happens or cards I'm dealt with on the day, if I do my very best, I'm happy with myself. And that's why Lionel walked to that finish line uh, in Coeur d'Alene and finished an hour after the 
the, the winners did. Uh, not because he, you know, wanted to finish because he wanted to be recognized by people, because he felt good about himself giving all he had on a day that gave him a lot of crap. And he might look back on that and go, you know, in certain aspects, that was the, one of the greatest races I've ever had because it was so difficult to keep going and I found the strength to do it. And finding that strength, that inner thing that you didn't know you had to make it through those really, really difficult moments or races in, in completion, um, you know, those are the ones you often look back and go, wow, I'm, I'm really proud of what I did out there. Yeah, he, he, uh, it, it was something else bringing him across. Mm. Second place syndrome, Mark. <laughs> you felt it. <laughs> uh, age group athletes have felt it. Qualifying for Kona and they miss a spot by one spot, you know. Mm. It, it is rampant out there. And Lionel discusses that too. Let's listen to this. And yeah, it was all so clear. But I mean, this is the, the human aspect of it. It was like, I, you know, I like to call it like second place syndrome because it was like, instead of just like, you got beat by like a half a percent, you know, over the course of eight yeah. hours, you got beat by half a percent. So instead of just finding, you know, a couple of quarter percents here and there, just making little tweaks and coming back and doing it again. Instead, I was like, okay, we're going to change everything. We're going to, okay, David Tilbury Davis. No, you're gone. Sorry. I could do this myself. Okay. I went and raced Yon in, in Oceanside in 2018 and didn't have a great performance. And then I was like, okay, we got to change everything about the bike. Even though I'd had the fastest bike split in like most of the race that I had done over the last four years leading into that, let's change everything. Frame size, tires, wheels, pedals, power meter, every single thing. Let's change all that. Go down the list. These are the things, these are the, this is the second place syndrome at its, yeah. at its finest. <laughs> second place syndrome at its finest it's almost like you know i'm a champion at my finest but the second place syndrome it, it's like you talk yourself into second place syndrome don't you yeah and the funny thing about it it's not funny but yeah. like you said i just needed a few little quarter percents here and there and i crossed the line in conan first place and I, I think one of the traps that a lot of athletes get sucked into is they, they finish a race and something didn't go the way they hoped. They're just this short of that big goal. And you're, it's emotional. You're, you're mm. either, maybe you're devastated, you're disappointed, you're frustrated, you're, you're pissed, you know? And so that's when you get into that second place syndrome and you think, okay, everything has to change. Let me read the next... Uh, month's edition of the triathlon magazine or whatever it is, and I'm going to get a whole new training program, a different coach. I'm going to eat keto instead of paleo, <laughs> and, you know, whatever it is. I always tell people, wait until the emotion of that finish dissipates. Give yourself one week, two weeks, a month, whatever it is, and then assess because the solutions you'll find once you let the emotion die and you're less disappointed and connected to that finish, then you'll have clarity to go, oh, I was, I was so close. And really the only thing I need to change is this one small aspect about my nutrition or the position on my bike or whatever. You don't need to do a complete overhaul. And so, you know, that was a great lesson 
that Lionel said indirectly there. It's like, give yourself distance so that you can view what happened clearly and then ask yourself, what will take me from second to first, from being this shy of my goal to achieving that great dream? Mark, I got I to gotta go down the road here because <laughs> you, you, in my mind, lived in second place syndrome for six or seven years battling in Kona. Uh, and I saw you frustrated. I saw you screaming at your bike. I saw you, <laughs> you know, weeks afterwards where you were kind of sour. Mm. No, you were just a pain in the ass. You were, you were sour. <laughs> and and uh, so, so you, you lived there. Did, did a win have to pull you out of it or did you pull yourself out of it in other ways? If I had waited for the wind to pull me out of it, I would have never won. And that's the catch-22 or the performance paradox. You know, as long as I knew that I was going to be disappointed from uh, that second place or that third place or being in the lead and falling apart, I was never going to be clear enough to actually put the last few pieces in place that would allow me to be the champion. And so after my sixth attempt at winning and my sixth <laughs> failure, um, I will admit, I was not a fun guy to be around for a while. And it took me a while to get enough distance. It actually took from October until January before I was finally like, all right, am I even going to go back there? No, I'm not going to go back. And then I go, wait a minute, I have to go back. And, and I realized I, I have put probably 95, 98% of the pieces together that will enable me to have that race that I envision. But it has to be about having my best race, just like Lionel said. And so in, in 18, 1989, that really was my main focus because I thought, as Lionel said, I can give my best and somebody else can still win. But if I give my best, then I can walk away and say, that was great. And I knew I hadn't had my best. And so all of my training that year was around figuring out how do I get just a little bit faster swimming, a little bit faster cycling, a little bit faster running, get my mindset in a more stable place so that if all chaos is happening and somebody's like way stronger than me, it won't freak me out and I can just have that best race. And so it was just small changes that ended up unlocking that incredible performance, that incredible race against Dave Scott. Yeah, it, it was, uh, I'll never forget it, buddy. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> you know, Lionel says, and I've heard you say it before, I've heard other champions say it before, it's not that complicated at the end of the day. Hmm. You know, do the basics. And he had a great message here. Let's listen to this about yeah, how his limits were created in the mind. Uh, and then I just started to, you know, I just started to realize, like, this is not that complicated. We can, we can overcomplicate this if we want. Just do the basics really, really well. Obviously, you need to have good equipment, good aerodynamics. But the guys who are winning, the guys who are consistently the best, Jan Ferdino, for instance, Sebastian Kienle, another very consistently consistent performer, they just do the basics really, really well. They train really well, really consistently. And they show up on race day in good shape, not over, you know, not overtrained or anything, just in good shape, firing on all cylinders, hungry, and then they execute on race day. Well, maybe, maybe on the bottom of that 
tat right there, we could put master the basics. <laughs> <laughs> I, need, I need that one up my forearm just so yeah, I, yeah. I, every day I, and I'm looking at it. Gun. Okay, okay. Three, <laughs> I've, I've been doing 3,000. Okay, no, slow down on the watts. <laughs> <laughs> I would put, if I were to get one on my forearm, I think I would get like, which I wouldn't, but if I was going to get one on my forearm, I'd get like limits are created in the mind. That's what I would put. How How... You know, he should put limits are created in the mind tattoo. That's a great tattoo for everybody. Uh, but those limits are created upstairs, aren't they? They are. I mean, of course, <laughs> there are limits in a sense. But like I said, his, his concept of limits is how do I take myself to a level that maybe I didn't think I could go to, you know? Maybe I'm not fast enough to be the winner of the Ironman, but how do I get a little bit more out of my performance? And it was really interesting, just that concept of do the basics well. You know, I coach a lot of people and I have for many years and, and some of them understand that. You know, they just plug away. They just, they train smart. They don't overtrain. They don't do too much fast stuff. They know that that transformation in their performance is not going to take place in a month. It's going to take over a number of years. And other folks... You know, they, they do the basics for a couple of weeks and then they want a secret, a big secret that they can put and it'll take them from here to here. That doesn't happen. Those basics are what create amazing things. Like they say, little by little adds up to a lot. And, but those limits are definitely created in our minds so many times. We have a, an image of ourselves of what we're capable of. And I love to just maybe push a little bit beyond that on a, on a daily basis, not in a crazy way, but just in a way that keeps me excited about what I'm doing in sport and sparks me to keep perfecting myself and improving what I'm bringing into my sport or in my life as I go toward the ultimate finish line. I mean, did you ever think when we were Lionel's age or somebody younger, even a Sam Long or any, anybody else racing that we would end up one day listening to them and pulling nuggets out of it like, wow, he or she reminded me of something I knew in the past, but I've been ignoring it. Or, or he gave me something that I didn't even realize. Uh, that seemed to have happened to you, and it certainly happened to me in, with Lionel's interview. Yeah, like you know, I said, his, he had so many nuggets and so many amazing human stories and transformations about his journey. And I thought we have to talk about this and discuss it. Probably a lot of people are going through similar journeys, um, but they're either unwilling to talk about it or maybe they can't even put it into words. And Lionel is so great at, at taking the, the human experience and his journey and not sugarcoating it. You know, like some, some pros, they'll go, Oh, gee, I had a bad day training today because my brakes were rubbing and my, my, the bolt on my handlebars broke and I had to get an Uber home. Lionel, he'll go, I had a, I had a bad day because my body was tired as hell. You know, he's honest. It's like he's taking responsibility for his experience and he's transforming that on a daily basis with his mindset, with his limits or no limits, with how he trains, covering the basics. So many lessons for all of us. It's, it becomes, I, I start thinking about the working man's world, the working person's world, mm -hmm. I should say. And 
of getting up every morning, going in, doing your job, doing your work, coming home. Uh, and that's how Lionel approaches it. That's how, that's how Paula approached it. That's how Heather approached it. That's how Natasha and Chrissy approached it. That's how you and Dave approached it. And it seems that at the end of the day, what happens is the people that approach it in a working person's mindset, they end up being a little more balanced than others, don't they? Well, hopefully, you yeah, know, and that's, yeah, yeah. that's, that's really one of the keys is to, to keep it all balanced, to give everything you have to it, but at the same time, taking time to relax, to spend time with your family and friends, to not have sport become an addiction, an obsession, uh, but have it be an exploration. Yeah, a, a great lifestyle exploration. I love that. At the end of every one of my podcasts, if you've been watching them, I have a little tidbit at the end called Tri-Table Racing. And I got this idea from great friends of mine who raced the Baja 1000 race and in their trophy trucks. And afterwards, they call, they call it table racing. They all sit around the table in the desert or at the campsite and reminisce about the race, uh, what happened at that race or what happened at a previous race. So I'm going to put you on the spot on Tri-Table Racing Bring up a memory of an event, good or bad, whatever you want, that we're sitting around the table having a beer and we're, we're talking about it and you bring it up. What, what would that be? Oh, geez. You know, one of the greatest, mo one of the greatest memories I have from the sport was something that happened outside of uh, an event. It was uh, the half Ironman distance race they have in Pucon, Chile. And it's in this beautiful oh. lake where the, the, the sand is actually crushed lava from the Villarica volcano, which is just standing prominent over the region. And it's snow covered as glaciers and it's an active volcano. So at night you can see this uh, orange glow coming from the cauldron at the very top. And so oh. the day after the race, the first year I did it, we did an expedition climb expedition. It's a, tour for, that anybody can do, and it's, it's about eight hours up and down, uh, walking up this volcano with crampons and ice axe and everything, and then getting to the top, and as you get close, you can smell this sulfur from the stuff that's coming up from the cauldron, and, and then you, you get to look into it, and you look down, and it, there's this massive, like, giant washing machine of bubbling red lava and it's like you're looking into the birth and creation of earth itself and it was just so breathtaking and amazing and uh you know i would have never had that experience had i not gone to chile and done that half ironman distance race down there I, I love that. I'd never heard you tell that story before i vaguely remember you guys doing a hike after that race there was some other pros with you right yeah all the pros were down there we we did it they they put us all in this tour together and there's a tour guide who takes you up and brings you back down and hopefully brings you back down most of us <laughs> made it <laughs> that's very cool i love it well i i have you know thank you so much mark for bringing this up
he, he sent me an email and said, hey, we've got to talk about this Lionel podcast because there's so many great things that all of us can get out of it. And, and I know I did, and I know you did too. Uh, so thank you very much for having this idea uh, and being on Find Your Finish Line. And, and we got to do this again. They, there's so many performances out there happening now. You, you know, it's like extraordinary. Like, oh my gosh, did I just see that? It seems our sport is kind of going to that to that level right now. So I'm sure we're going to have stuff we can talk about in the future. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Huge hats off to Lionel for all he's done in the sport, for the sport, and how amazing of a human being he is. Thank you, Mark, and thank you for your time. And Well, everybody, again, another edition of Find Your Finish Line presented by Curad Performance Series, the official medical supplier of Ironman. If you enjoyed the show, then please subscribe, if you would, and leave a review of the show so we can see how we're doing and what we can do better. You can leave that review on my website, mikereilly.net slash podcast, or you can leave that review with your favorite podcast platform. Remember, There are things in life and racing that we don't have control over, but you do have control over your attitude. So keep that positive, and that will get you to the finish line. So find your finish line, everybody. Thank you very much for joining us. And as always, my warmest aloha.